This is the Cheyenne Roundup, a weekly look at the action inside the general session of the 67th Wyoming Legislature from Wyoming Public Media and Wildfile. I'm Maggie Mullen with Wildfile's State Government and Politics team. And for our final Cheyenne Roundup, I'm joined by my co-workers, Mike Kajmiral and Madeline Beck, as well as Wyoming Public Radio's Jeff Victor and Caitlin Tan. We've all appeared on the show, but not at the same time, so this is kind of special. We also invited listeners to participate by sending in questions about this year's session. So we'll get to some of those in a moment. But first, to my fellow reporters, you all had something you watched closely, be it a bill or a political dynamic. What was your session obsession and what happened? Uh, I'll jump in first. Um One dynamic of the legislature that stood out to me throughout the session was the inexperience of the body and the shifting political makeup, which generally is moving to the right. Uh, Close to a third of senators and representatives had not held legislative office before taking their oaths in January. Uh, And there were anecdotes that suggest the learning curve was steep. Maggie, you reported earlier this session that a record number, at least in the last 20 years, uh, of House bills, 45 of them died somewhat early in the session because they were not heard on the House floor uh, before a deadline lapsed. And I'm not going to name names, but there were certainly a few occasions where it was evident lawmakers didn't really understand what was going on. And I don't say that to poke fun. As a journalist, this was my second session covering the Wyoming legislature, and I'm still constantly learning how things work. Uh, To me, it makes perfect sense that having an inexperienced body leads to slower going deliberations and decisions and then bills dying. Uh, The inexperienced body and growing divide within the Republican Party also had some pretty major implications as far as the culture goes. Uh, I'm working on a post-session story that will kind of touch on some of those topics right now. Um, A sneak peek of that story is that a lot of veteran Representatives and senators say that there's been continued declines in camaraderie and generally that lawmaking isn't as fun as it used to be. Uh, And that very well might continue because the far right contingent, um, the House Freedom Caucus, is continuing to grow its ranks. Uh, Their members don't necessarily self-identify, but the aggregate number of members is well known and it's gone from 6 to 18 to 26 in the last three elections. If the trend continues, uh, they could hold the balance of power come the 68th Wyoming legislature. And time will tell if that happens, but if it does, there might be a really big culture shift coming. Thank you, Mike. What about you, Caitlin? This was actually my first session uh, as a reporter, so I definitely had a learning curve. Um, But there were a lot of bills that I followed and a couple that stuck out for me was this coal litigation funding bill. Um, It was actually just signed into law a few weeks ago, um, and it had passed the Senate and the House with flying colors. Um, Basically, it reappropriates some leftover money that was previously used for litigation from several years ago, uh, dealing with uh, the West Coast, uh, not wanting to open up new coal ports. um, And Wyoming was very upset about that. Um, So there was $1.2 million left over. And so that's been reappropriated for Governor Gordon to use in any future litigation regarding literally anything or anyone that negatively affects Wyoming's coal industry. 
I thought this bill was pretty interesting because I think it's pretty representative of Wyoming's outlook on energy. Uh, Wyoming's really uh, setting its sights on coal and kind of digging its heels in the ground. Um, a couple other bills that I followed that we've discussed quite a bit uh, on the roundup was the shed antler hunting season bills. Uh, those were signed into law recently as well. Um, so basically, non-residents, their hunting season for shed antlers will start a week later than than Wyoming residents. So that means next year in 2024, non-residents will have to start hunting May 8th. And they also have to purchase a conservation stamp, which is $21.50. One of those bills actually almost didn't make it, but was brought back from the dead. And uh, so here we are. Um, Jeff, what, what have you been following? So I was focused on the effort to limit the rights of gay and trans people, especially trans kids. There were several anti-LGBTQ bills filed this session, and at this point we can say most of them have died. We saw a copy of Florida's Don't Say Gay bill sail through the Senate, but it never saw daylight in the House, so it died there. Perhaps more seriously, there were two bills attempting to outlaw gender-affirming care. One bill would have stripped doctors of their licenses, the other would have sent them to prison for up to 10 years if they gave a child hormone blockers. These bills also sailed through the Senate, but they also were never considered by the full House. That's how a lot of bills died this year, flying through the Senate, but screeching to a halt in the House. So the Don't Say Gay bill and the two anti-gender-affirming care bills are all dead now. But there is one anti-LGBTQ bill I'm still watching, and that's a bill to ban trans girls and women from competing in high school sports. The anti-trans sports bill sailed through the Senate and sailed through the House, So it passed the whole legislature, and now it's on Governor Mark Gordon's desk. So Gordon can sign this into law, he can let it go into law without his signature, or he can veto it. And if he vetoes it, it will die and stay dead, because the session is over and the legislature literally cannot get together to take a vote to override his veto. So it's really, truly up to the governor at this point. But that's not the only bill where we're waiting to see what Gordon will do. Madeline, you were covering abortion, right? I was, and there was plenty to cover. Uh, The two anti-abortion bills were changing pretty much right up until the end there. Uh, The first is Senate File 109, prohibiting chemical abortions. This one has come before the legislature a few times, and this is the first time it's headed to the governor's desk. It does what it says and doesn't allow someone to prescribe, dispense, distribute, sell, or use any drug for the purpose of procuring or performing an abortion. Exceptions are miscarriage, rape, incest, or preserving the woman from, quote, imminent peril that substantially endangers her life or health. That notably does not include psychological peril and those who are suicidal. Republican Representative Steve Harshman noted in committee and on the floor that those conditions are a real threat but others successfully argued that could provide a loophole for women to get abortions. Just as a reminder, the latest CDC data shows Wyoming has the nation's highest suicide rate, and recent research in the journal JAMA shows lack of abortion access increases suicide risks among young women. Many religions see abortion as murder, though, so their perspective remains unchanged. That said, this bill was amended to exclude the names of specific abortion medications for fear that they would not be made available for other medical uses. The second is the Life is a Human Right Act, or House Bill 152. That one has undergone a lot of changes. 
for a minute there was a trigger bill to a trigger bill that's currently tied up in court, but that was stripped away. Another provision stripped away was the right for sponsor or co-sponsor of the bill to intervene in any court case that may come from the legislation. That comes after some lawmakers were not allowed to intervene in the current court case against the state's abortion ban that's on the books now. Senators argued allowing lawmakers to intervene as a right was preferential treatment. Some things that were added to this near-total abortion ban were exemptions for rape and incest, which weren't there at the start, and exemptions for those facing hard questions like a lethal fatal anomaly, which is where a pregnancy can possibly result in a live birth where there's high likelihood of death of a child within hours of the child's birth. The biggest issue people still are concerned about with the bill is it creates its own definition of abortion as not being health care, which some see as interpreting the state constitution, which others argue is the judicial branch's role. Many are also concerned that both of these bills face the same court challenges as the current abortion ban, which, among other things, people argue goes against a constitutional provision that guarantees the right of health care choice in the state. All right. Thanks for that recap, everybody. It's now time for listener questions. Thanks to everyone who chimed in. Unfortunately, we've only got time for two. Madeline, would you do the honors? Absolutely. The first question is from Rollins resident Scott Thayer, who wants to know what the legislature did to deal with Wyoming Department of Transportation and Highway Patrol staffing issues. Hmm. So the legislature passed a pay boost for state employees as part of the supplemental budget. So that will amount to about an 8% increase for state workers. So not just Highway Patrol or YDOT employees that will just land across the board. This has been a top priority for Governor Gordon and some lawmakers since the state has really been struggling with recruitment and retention. And part of that problem has been the pay falling behind because lawmakers for a long time didn't take action, you know, to to the point that wages fell about 19.4% below market rates. That was before a pay boost went into effect in July of 2022. That increase was the first in this two-step process. So this most recent boost that came out of the session, that's the second step, um, that will bring state employees to about 90% of market rate. Will that stop the bleeding? Uh, we'll see. The first increase did have some of that effect, at least at YDOT. Um, my colleague, Katie Klingsporn, she just reported a, a great story about a plow driver. In her reporting, she found that, you know, this last pay increase slowed the exodus at YDOT. But, you know, recruitment and retention, um, those are going to remain a focus at that agency. Plus, you know, I think the governor and the legislature recognize that um, – pay alone won't fix the problem entirely. In fact, there was some money set aside in the budget to study childcare services for state employees. Um, that was ultimately vetoed by the governor, um, not because he was against the study, but he uh, he felt the appropriation violated the constitutional requirement that the budget bill be for um, ordinary expenses of government. So he asked the legislature to bring this idea as a standalone bill. So I'm going to be looking out for that next year. That's incredibly interesting. And, and thanks to Scott for asking. Uh, a second question is from Grace Barca of Jackson, who asked, why Governor Gordon would sign a bill to prevent crossover voting when that is how he got elected in the first place. 
All right, great question. Real quick, let's back up and clear some things up. So one, the governor didn't sign the anti-crossover voting bill or House Bill 103. Instead, he let it take effect without his signature. And and just to reiterate um, some of what Jeff told us, when a bill lands on the governor's desk, he has three choices. He can sign it, he can veto it, or he can let it become law without his signature. And that last option, without getting into the weeds, uh, depends on timing, essentially. Um, Another point of clarification, of course, there's been a lot said since Gordon won the Republican nomination for governor in 2018 about how exactly he won that race. You know, more specifically, his opponent said he only beat them due to the support of Democrats that changed their registration in order to vote for him. That message was then carried on for several years by the Wyoming Republican Party. However, um, those claims were shown to be statistically unfounded. Uh, That's according to some reporting by the Casper Star Tribune that was done um, several years ago back in 2018. So nonetheless, that idea really persisted and has, you know, resulted in a law that we now have on our books. So Gordon said he made that decision because he said there was no constitutional concerns raised with the bill. Plus, it had a near supermajority in the legislature. So had he vetoed it, the legislature probably uh, would have voted to override him, or I should say they would have had the ability, most likely. So all that said, I don't even think this is the end of the crossover voting discussion because there were some concerns raised about this bill inadvertently restricting new voters. So someone who turns 18 in that blackout period um, from registering to vote. And in Gordon's letter to Speaker of the House Albert Somers uh, regarding his decision on the bill, he said that, you know, uh, the bill sponsor, as well as those responsible for implementing the statute, have agreed to, you know, work on clarifying that legal ambiguity. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. Thanks for clearing that up, Maggie. Thank you, Madeline. And thanks, Mike, Jeff and Caitlin for your great reporting this session. Thanks, Maggie. Yes. Thanks to everyone for listening to the Cheyenne Roundup from Wyoming Public Media and Wildfile. Editing and producing by Tennessee Watson and Camila Kudelska. We'll be back next year and occasionally throughout the interim legislative session. So if you haven't yet, subscribe to the Cheyenne Roundup wherever you get your podcasts and follow our ongoing legislative coverage at wyomingpublicmedia.org and wildfile.com. Thanks again for listening.